in there, right? Yeah, yeah. You sat on the edge of the bed, didn't you? You took off your shoes, put your finger between your toes and pick your feet, didn't you? And we must always be on guard with mischievous lip drift. Disastrous. You cannot have grief tragically becoming common. Hello, Old Sport. You are listening to I Saw It in a Movie, an advice podcast co hosted by your friendly cinematic pals at Movie John. I am the old sport and classic coroner, Rosalie Kicks, and this is my film pal, The Red Herring. Ryan Silverstein. And each episode, we take a question from our listeners and go to the movies for the answer. So, hello, Ryan. How is it going? It's going okay. Uh, The snow has melted. It's not quite spring, but the snow has melted. Um, And there's been a little bit of sunshine, so... Things are things are okay. How are things with you? Yeah, the sun has been nice because I've actually like stepped outdoors a few times, which I'll be honest, I've been scolded a few times about not going outside. But yeah, when it gets warmer, I'm more inclined to do so. I I really hate winter, so I'm just so happy that it's almost over. Uh, I like winter, but uh, I am fine with a couple of days of sunshine at least. I like it. Sunny and cold is a good is a good place for me. Oh no, not for me. <laughs> so, but it hasn't been that bad lately, and it's definitely been nice to see the sun because I felt like there were just never ending days of either it raining or snowing or icing, and I had it like I was done with it. So, what have you been watching lately? Anything good? Uh, Yeah, so I've been watching two things I want to talk about because they are things that you have recommended or spoken highly of in the past that I finally got around to. Um, So you can see in real time how how long it actually takes me to check out something. Uh, So the first is (laughs) I've been watching the Harley Quinn animated series, um, which is on HBO Max now. Oh my god. I love that show. Love. Like uh, how far into it are you? I am a good I I, th- I feel like I'm in the first third of the second season. So we're oh, in like wow. Yeah. I I've been I've been going through it at a good pace because what I like about it is each episode tells its own story, but it has enough that's ongoing where I'm like, "Oh, wait, I I need to see the next one." Um it does yeah, that because... to you. It does that to you. Because when Ben and I were watching it, we were actually watching it through the DC app. I don't know if you remember that, mm-hmm. but I think it's like dead now, officially. Yeah, but... I think it's just comics now. Okay. Well, our one friend, he had signed up for it. I don't know how, like through his phone company or something, gave it to him. And he was obsessed with earning these like points like as you watch something you got points and so Ben and I just kept kind of tearing through the Harley Quinn and like racking up these points which I guess like amounted to some kind of like reward like he could get a t-shirt or a statue of like Harley Quinn (laughs) like it was something ridiculous but we were like blowing through those and I was watching a ton of uh oh wasn't it called like Clark and Lois or something? Uh, Lois and Clark, the new Lois and of Clark. Superman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that show, which oh, I loved it as a kid. So when I saw like all of that was on this app, I was like tearing through it. Yeah. So I think most of that has moved over to HBO Max at this point, okay. um, which is nice because it's a service I'm, ar- I'm already paying for. Uh, and you and a bunch of other people I know had recommended it. Um, and you know, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Birds of Prey movie, um, but I like this version of Harley Quinn a lot. And I know that they are actually pretty similar, uh, but I really like her actually like going through kind of the breakup and aftermath of her relationship with the Joker. Um, I enjoy 
that they use a lot of obscure DC characters and kind of give them new personalities. Um, so like, I just really enjoy Kite Man. Um, this version oh of King Shark is really fun. Yes. They are so <laughs> fun. They are so fun. I was going to say like all of her, I guess you would say henchmen or like side characters they're all just so fun and I love watching or I love like watching how they all interact. But Kite Man is so great. Hell He's yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so glad you're watching it. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I'm looking forward to finishing out the second season. Uh and hopefully there will be a third season. I think Kelly Kuko, uh her the voice that she's doing for Harley, which is not far off from her regular voice, but it just suits the character really well because I feel like she has a shrillness in her voice that that like just it just works where like she's not yeah. annoying, but she's intense. And uh, Lake Bell is also really great as Poison Ivy. Like this version of Poison Ivy is really fun. And yeah, she's like, I was... I'm not a villain. I'm an eco terrorist. Like there is a difference. Yes. I was going to give a shout out to Poison Ivy because I think like I love Harley Quinn, but this show, it it really makes me question like who is my favorite? Because Poison Ivy is great. Yeah, I will say I've been a big fan of the Poison Ivy character going all the way back to the 90s Batman animated series. Because I think they did a good job of, like, they did a good job of making a lot of the villains sympathetic. But I think with her, they did really, uh, like, most of the times that she showed up, it was kind of like an interesting take on, like, oh, she has good goals, but the way that she gets there is bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the the other thing that you had recommended probably about a year ago uh, that I finally got around to because it finally popped up on, uh, it's on Prime at least, um, is the Sonic the Hedgehog movie um, with uh, Ben Schwartz as Sonic, James Marston as the Donut Lord, and Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik. And, you know, I I was chatting with Ben a little bit about it actually because... I was saying, like, I, I never had a Sega system growing up. I've certainly played some Sonic the Hedgehog. I remember I remember the cartoon coming out, but I don't remember anything about it um, when I was a kid. Like, I've always, you know, I've always been more of a Nintendo kid. So, like, Mario, Zelda, like, that's been my kind of video game mainstays. And uh, so I, I was just really pleasantly surprised by this. It, it's a lot of fun. I think it's a cool kids movie because it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't talk down to kids. It just kind of like tells a fun story. It has some funny, you know, it definitely has moments that are more directed at a kid audience, but I don't think it, it lowers itself to try to meet kids where they are. I think it just tries to be a movie similar to detective Pikachu. Like I think they are very similar um, takes on how to do a video game movie. Yeah. So one, I'm so excited that you watched this (laughs) because Two, I think I told you like 17 times to watch Mm -hmm. this movie and going into it. So I actually was fortunate enough to go to the press screening of Sonic. And I'll be honest, I was going because I was expecting it to be a shit show. I'm like, this is going to be a terrible movie, but it was in February and I'm like, but it'll be fun to like rip it to shreds and like I'll have a blast like just laughing and instead I literally fell in love with this movie (laughs) I think because my expectations were so like bottom of the barrel low that in watching it one I was with Ben and our friend Pockets and like I had a blast like I kept laughing like the jokes are actually pretty funny and Mm -hmm. to your point about it does like a kid's movie very well because there's like clearly adult jokes in there that kids won't understand but it's not like oh you don't want them to hear and I was thinking about how some kids of today are probably going to watch it like later as adults and be like oh I didn't understand that but now I get (laughs) it because that's like what happened to me when I like watched Roger Rabbit Mm mm-hmm like oh, yeah, a lot a- of jokes went over my head, but then when I was an adult and watched it, I'm like, oh, wow. 
yeah it's it's really fun going back to like to that movie or to aladdin and i'm like oh yeah the genie is turning into jack nicholson and william f buckley and like i know who and peter laurie and i know who all these people are now right yeah but yeah sonic was definitely just one of those movies from last year that completely shocked me and i was surprised that there were some people that were upset that it's getting a sequel because i thought no we need this sequel. And also, like, Jim Carrey was really funny in it. And people were, I know he's had his issues and his problems, but I laughed at many of the things he did in the film. Oh, there, there was a part, uh, Jill was not watching it with me, although at some point I will find a way to get her to sit down for the whole movie. But the part where Jim Carrey confronts uh, James Marston for the first time, and he's like berating him for being dumb. Yes. Uh, um, I had like I, I I like FaceTimed Jill, and I was like, "You have to watch this like minute of this movie because it's so funny and so wild." So I'm definitely on board for Sonic Two as long as Jim Carrey comes back. I think um, he's going to. Like, I think it ended up getting. Well, at least from audience, like audience really liked it. I think critics were being somewhat snobbish, if I can be so blunt. Mm -hmm. And the audience members spoke. So they are doing a sequel and I'm I'm rather excited for it. And I I will spoil in the mid credits scene, uh, Tails shows up. So, like, they're doing the sequel properly, and that means that we need to get to Sonic 3 so they can bring in Knuckles, who, as a kid, for whatever reason, I just had a strong, like, the minute I saw that character, I was like, oh, he's cool. I like him, and I like how he can climb using his Knuckles. So, yeah, yeah, we need to at least get to Sonic 3. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm really glad that you liked it. And that you found it fun. It actually was one of the last movies I saw in the theater. Yeah, I was going to ask you what the last one that you saw was, if you remember at this point. I think we determined, Ben and I, that it was The Invisible Man screening. I think that was the last time we were in a theater. And I'm really glad that I got to see that on the big screen. Yeah, I'm I'm bummed that I missed that on the big screen. Uh, I went to the first cow screening the press screening that they had and then like the next day they canceled the theatrical release yes i remember because i was supposed to go to that and then something with work happened um and it was i i was already nervous going in but it was press only like they hadn't invited so like we were all spread out pretty nicely and then um right before lockdown happened i went and saw onward the pixar movie at my local amc because i was like oh it might be a few months before i can see a movie in a theater again so let me squeeze in this last like i went like during like the work day so it was pretty empty um and that was like right before it was like the two days before everything like shut down it was like the next day like tom hanks had covid oh wow okay yeah i remember that (laughs) <laughs> yeah um so and then I, I did see tenet in the theater but that still already feels like a million years ago still haven't seen it don't know when i will looking we'll around to it i will say the 4k looks really good so we'll, we'll, see. we'll see uh so what have you been watching rosalie yeah so like the last time we recorded i actually haven't been watching a ton of stuff lately and i'm hoping to make up for that in the next few days because woohoo, the zine is done. So whenever I'm working on our print movie John issue, it takes up a lot of time. So I don't watch a lot of things. Uh, but most recently on Sunday, I watched the movie, the 1978 movie swarm on TCM and it was through their app. And this movie is incredibly poorly made but it's like such a fun movie to watch if you're looking to just like shut off and be entertained uh so after a swarm of killer bees start attacking people for absolutely no reason other than that they're horrible 
a scientist played by Michael Caine is called in to assist the army general in Texas played by Richard Widmark. And I could not get over, there are a ton of people in this movie and it's shot in Technicolor. And, you know, from our last issue of Movie John, I've learned quite a bit about Technicolor and just like the cost and expenditures that went along with shooting in Technicolor. Like you would need a color supervisor on set to make sure that you were doing it properly. And I'm just like, wow, they did that for this. (laughs) But apparently, you know, somebody thought, yep, sounds like a good idea. But the cast consists of Michael Caine, Richard Whitmark, Henry Fonda, Ed Oatmeal McMurray, and Olivia de Havilland. Like, wow. Yeah. Like, it's freaking wild. <laughs> but, like, overall, like, I had a stressful week. And, like, with Sunday, as you probably experience as well, like, sometimes I just get, like, the Sunday blues. And so, like, I told Ben, like, we need to watch something that's just mindless. And this was, like, perfect. Because it's, like, one of those movies where you can just shut off and enjoy Uh, But I must say, there is something about Henry Fonda that he, like, gets under my skin, like, every time I watch him. And I realized in this movie why I find him so troubling is that he just seems to play the same character, Mm. like, every time. And I had listened to the season of You Must Remember This about his daughter, Jane Fonda. And just, like, there was this one interaction that they spoke about on the podcast where, I guess, Henry Fonda was really upset, like, when Jane Fonda got an Oscar, like, before him. And I'm just like, dude, you don't really do anything different. Like, it's just kind of the same thing over and over again. And he's also, like, always ordering people around in his movies like in this movie he like tells michael kane at one point what does a man have to do to get a simple beer and a pizza around here like that's a dialogue line in this movie like like the dialogue is just wacky like i think you would probably really enjoy this no it it's funny because i you know having watched some like 70s disaster movies and then even a recent example is like Kong Skull Island has like an amazing cast for no reason. I find that movies that have really good actors in them, uh, but are also really dumb movies to be some of the most fun to watch, especially when you're in that mood where you just want to kick back because you're like, oh, I'm seeing familiar faces, but they're doing ridiculous things. Yes. No, I agree with that. And now it's making me making me remember um, when I watched that movie Frogs because Ray Milland is in that. But at one point you can tell like Ray Milland is like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) I am done with this ridiculous production. So like finish up what you have to do so that I can leave. Because yeah, I mean, when they get these like great actors in these crazy scripts I don't know, like at some point they probably are just like, what did I sign up for? Yeah. And like, you wonder why they even signed on in the first place, you know, for a movie like Frogs or Swarm. You're like, you know what you're like, what, how, how could like, it's not like they gave them a script for a different movie. But it's money. They want money. Well, that's true. But yeah. So I I definitely... Oh, I think it is Michael Caine. I forget what movie it was, but somebody asked him about it and he was like, oh, I've never actually seen like the, the completed film. He's like, but I have seen the swimming pool I bought with that money. And the swimming pool is very nice. I could see that. He also at one point carries Henry Fonda around. So that's fun. Like lifts Wait, I'm gonna, him. I'm going to look this up because now I'm. <laughs> he um, lifts him in his arms. I can't find it, but I, th- I think it is Michael Caine. Um, Let's just pretend it is. 
because when you're watching Swarm, you kind of just forget about the actors anyway because there's just bees, millions of bees. Like there's oh, so many bees. It's it's Jaws the Revenge. Oh, Jaws the Revenge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Michael Caine is in that movie for some reason. Yeah. So, I mean, check out, as we've said before, the TCM app. There's always something fun on there. And if you want to watch Swarm, I'm sure if you go to justwatch.com, I find it to be extremely handy. You can pull up and see where a movie is streaming or where it's digitally available. So, yeah, that's what I've been watching lately is crap. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, so you want to get to this week's question? Yes, uh, let's do it. So here we go. Dear, I saw it in a movie. I can't help but find myself obsessed with true crime. Podcasts, documentary series, books. I want to solve all the crimes, but what's a good movie based on a real-life crime? Your pal, Sherlock Smith. So, obviously, in reading this question, there are obvious answers, mm -hmm. which I think we both discussed prior. Like, for example, Zodiac. I mm -hmm. immediately thought of that film. But I wanted to provide Sherlock with a bit more of a well-thought-out answer. I guess I could say I, I wanted to dig up something that they may not have seen or maybe they saw it a long time ago and spark them to revisit. Like, I don't know how you approached it. Yeah, I, I kind of thought about it the same way. And I was like, OK, what's a movie that I really like that happens to be based on a real crime? Because I feel like when you Google stuff, you get a lot of like serial killer type movies, you know, like even Psycho and Silence of the Lambs are like loosely based on real things. Uh, Zodiac is a great movie, but I feel like even though it wasn't, you know, a huge hit when it came out, I feel like everybody knows about that movie now. Like, that is the first thing that comes to mind. So, um, you know, I also wanted to think of something that wasn't necessarily, like, murder-centric, because um, I also like to make sure that we include things like heists and con artists uh, in crime. Yes, agreed. Like, a Catch Me If You Can. Yes, it, that was a movie that I thought of. And then I was like, no, we definitely talked about this on, on the podcast before at yeah. some point. Mm -hmm. We did talk about it previously, but that is, I feel, an excellent true crime movie. And you end up really liking the character, too, which is cool. Mm -hmm. You like the person, even though you're like, wow, they did a lot of bad things. <laughs> but it was really yes. fun stuff. Uh, well, I actually, so I ended up actually having two picks, but I'm going to get real, ex not real extensive on the first one because I really want to talk about the second one because I know you okay. just watched it. Mm -hmm. uh, but my first pick was Peter Jackson's 1994 flick, Heavenly Creatures. And this tells the tale of two teenage girls, Julia and Pauline in New Zealand, and they have a really intense relationship bond, if you want to call it, that ends up just taking quite a twisted turn when their parents threaten to keep them apart. So I had never seen this movie, but I've always been meaning to watch it because it was something that a lot of people have told me to watch, including Ben. Like Ben, my husband, has always said like, you need to watch this. You need to watch this because I only really knew Peter Jackson from like Lord of the Rings stuff, you know, but obviously he's made a ton of movies prior to that. And I don't know. I find it kind of unfortunate that like it seemed a lot of his filmmaking life got succumbed to just making Lord of the Rings. But as a person, I just don't think I would be pleased with that. <laughs> Like, I would not want decades of my life dedicated to one thing. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I've seen Heavenly Creatures. It's a movie that uh, my wife actually likes a lot, uh, but I, I don't think I've seen it in, uh, it's been quite a few years because I think we watched it uh, like close to when we started dating. So it's oh, been wow. like 10 okay. years ago. Um, 
but yeah, it's, and I still haven't seen a lot of Peter Jackson's pre Lord of the Rings films. Um, and yeah, his career is is very interesting because I feel like after Lord of the Rings, he got to make King Kong, and then he made uh, The Lovely Bones, which is a movie that nobody remembers that like is also really effects heavy but doesn't need to be and then he did uh his hobbit trilogy which right, which you um, know yeah bad bad but like, like yeah <laughs> i don't know with heavenly creatures though i never realized until like doing a bit of research you know looking for a movie to watch to answer our listener that this was based on a true story i didn't know that that you know this event actually happened but apparently in 1954 there were these two girls teenage girls and they end up killing the one girl's mother and it's known as the parker whom which i probably am saying that last name wrong hum murder case uh i'm terrible with last names and names in general uh so forgive me but yeah i found that this film was incredibly well made the story between the two girls is well done the acting is superb it it stars kate winslet and melanie linsky which apparently this was their feature film debut which that also blew me away because they are excellent like they are both great uh and melanie plays such like this brooding teen like so well i kept saying to ben look at her face like she looks so angry that was me as a teen so when you watch this movie like you'll see like those were the faces (laughs) that i made as a teenager Uh, But I really want to recommend this movie to our listener because I feel it's such a different type of true crime story. It's not like procedural, right? Like you were just Mm -hmm. expressing when you watch a lot of these true crime movies, it's honestly about like murder, but you just end up seeing like cops and detectives and people trying to figure out like who this person is and why they're doing it. Whereas this, you're really learning about who these girls were and what their situation was. And I like that a lot. And it's all like told through Melanie who plays Pauline's diary. Like it's all through her diary notes and how she was feeling at that moment. And yeah, afterwards, like Ben and I were talking just about Two, it also deals a lot with parenting, especially during that time frame of just people keeping like issues and problems like under the roof, not really wanting to discuss them. And so like, I feel like a lot of this story kind of opens up like, hey, talk to your kids. Like, yeah, they are people and they're going through things and you need to discuss with them and not treat them you know, like children. I mean, these girls were growing up. Yeah. Movies like this and like, uh, 13 is another one that comes to mind, uh, are just like good reminders to me that like, I don't understand teenage girls any more than I did when I was a teenage boy. (laughs) Like (laughs) they remain mysterious to me. And I think that, you know, I think the more films that we make about the teen girl experience, I think the better off we all are. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I also feel like something that this movie does well is that like you kind of see that the girls really aren't disturbed. You know, like there's nothing wrong with them, but they are pushed into this manic state because their parents aren't really parenting them. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. and that's the cause of it. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, so that's what I liked about it, that it was just like a different true crime type story. And even when I mentioned it to one of my friends that I was utilizing this as a true crime movie, they're like, oh, right, that is a true crime movie because it's not something that comes to mind. Uh, 
But the other piece that I did find interesting was, I don't know if you remember this because you've seen it a while ago, but at the end it talks about when they are released from prison, they were never able to see one another again, which I was like, oh, that's so upsetting because they clearly had this close bond. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I did read that each girl like eventually moved on, like Pauline settled in England and Juliet actually became a detective novelist, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, that that is super interesting. Um, And it's funny because that that almost leads into my pick. So let me talk about that and then we'll talk about the other movie that we both watched for this. Okay, I like that. Sure. Um, Because you touched on the procedural stuff and I I do love a good procedural, um, but I like procedurals more, I feel like, when the crime is ongoing because there's more suspense there. Like... It's not like an individual series of murders. Um, so the the movie that I ended up picking uh, is The French Connection. Oh, that's um, a great one. That's a great one. Uh, and, you know, I had seen it many years ago. And then uh, actually last year, around this time, before everything shut down, uh, I got to see it on the big screen. And um, what's interesting, I think, too... A couple of things I wanted to point out about about the movie. One, I like that it's a you know ongoing sort of like the drug runners trying to outsmart the cops, the cops trying to surveil them. It's a lot of like back and forth, so it's very tense in that way. It's not like it, it's not that the cops are always you know um, like on the trail, like oh another murder happened. Now we have to go like you know find all this new evidence and whatever. It's like an ongoing kind of battle back and forth. Um, but the other thing is like that really struck me this time that I don't think I picked up on like one when I was younger and two with, you know, how things have shifted in our cultural conversations about stuff is that Gene Hackman's character, Popeye Doyle, like is a great example of a terrible cop. Like, um, (laughs) and like he acts more racist than he probably actually is because he finds it like to be an effective tool when trying to shake down people that he's trying to shake down yeah you know what it's funny i'm so glad you picked this movie because it has been a long time since i watched it and i first became familiar with the film in film school and i think it actually was due they were like showing an example of like sound Mm. like that's where i think it came into play but i what they would do in film school is they would like show clips of things and then I'd be like, ooh, I need to watch that. So then I would go to my video store, which at the time I was living in Ardmore and I would go rent it or find it. And this was one of those films where like they showed a clip and I needed to see it immediately because it just was so cool. Um, and yeah, on a technical level, the filmmaking here is incredible and the chase scene is very famous, but I think all throughout the cinematography and the sound is just firing on all cylinders at all times. Oh, definitely. Um, and, and that's part of why I chose it. It's a very exciting and very interesting and, and fun movie to watch. It's very twisty and, you know, it's one of those movies that when you think of like New York in the seventies, like this is one of those movies that comes to mind. Um, But I think it is really interesting because there's been a lot of conversation in the last year about movies that glorify police. Um, And this does not, you know, like even though Mm -hmm. Popeye Doll is the main character and we're following him for most of the movie, like he's never portrayed as a good guy. And I think that that makes it really a, a really interesting movie to watch now. And, you know, it's not one where you're, you know, like I like the bad boys movies. Uh, which are obviously not true crime based, but like, you know, there are movies where there's cops as heroes and they're, you know, going way above and beyond and they have like crazy guns and all that kind of stuff. And and those movies are fun and they have their place, but it's, it's cool to see a movie that is super entertaining and like kind of slyly critical about police work in general while they're also investigating this crime. Like, I think there's actually a lot of cool stuff going on in this movie in addition to it being super entertaining. So I think, you know, for a 2021 
lens, I think the French connection is even more interesting, especially if, again, if you've seen it before, um, you know, but now you think about police in a different way. Uh, I think it's really worth revisiting because it, it this movie is part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point. And just to jump back to what you said about the bad boys. So I only just like watched the first bad boys for like the first time, like last month. I didn't care for it, but I hear they get better as yeah. it goes on. I would say of the three, the first one is probably my least favorite, but the second one is like textbook Michael Bay. So if you enjoy your Armageddon's, you enjoy an occasional Transformer, uh, Bad Boys 2 might be up your alley. And then three is not a Michael Bay movie, um, but well, he is in one scene and they shoot that one scene like a Michael Bay movie and it's really fun. But three is wild and goes in a really interesting direction. And I think it also has a lot of fun with them being older and like at a different point in their lives. But is Will Smith as crazy as he was in A Winter's Tale? Um, In Bad Boys 2, he's almost as crazy. He's more subdued in <laughs> Bad Boys 3. But Martin Lawrence is really kind of wild it like he's he's the wild one okay. i feel like in that duo okay yeah because <laughs> winter's tale will smith was satan that might be the most wild he's ever been <laughs> we'll see we'll is see. that one scene <laughs> so should we talk about the pick that we both have it's a shared pick which i think Absolutely. this might be the first time this has ever happened on the show where we both have a pick that is shared yeah and i'll I'll let you introduce the film but i just want to say like it's a movie that like ever since it came out in theaters it's been like one of those like oh i should watch that and it's just never quite happened so that when you mentioned that you were thinking about it i was like oh this is a this this is the time i now need to watch this movie so yeah So the shared pick is the 2011 Richard Linklater film, Bernie, which I love this movie. And it's a true crime story about Bernie Teed, a mortician that moves from Louisiana to a small town in Texas. And he ends up striking up this relationship with an extremely wealthy woman Marjorie Nugent and everything is basically going fine until it's not because Marjorie becomes extremely possessive and controlling of Bernie which ultimately leads him to committing murder and okay there is so much that I want to talk about with this movie but let's start with the performances like Jack Black is very yes in this movie. I love Jack Black, actually. I'm yeah, very... I, I, I completely agree. I really like Jack Black. Um, I feel like I've been a fan of his since the first time I saw High Fidelity. Um, because I like when he plays real people the most. Um, like, I don't mean, you know, literally real people, but I mean people based who are a little more grounded. Like I don't necessarily like him in your, your like Nacho Libre's type mode. Um, yeah. This is actually a very similar discussion that I was having Ben, my husband, we were talking about Jack Black and we love when he plays, I guess, more of like these characters, right. Versus mm-hmm. when he gets over the top and it's just like wild because like, for example, love him in house with a clock in its walls Mm -hmm. he's really good in that movie loved and i love him in school of rock actually Mm -hmm. love him in that but like you're to your point like in a nacho libre it gets a bit too much you know so this was really cool to see him playing this person that is an actual real person 
And then you have Matthew McConaughey, who plays a district attorney, and he is a wild mess. Like, wild. Uh, Danny Buck. Yeah, Danny Buck, <laughs> who uses his tie to wipe his mouth. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> a napkin tie. And then you have Shirley MacLaine, who plays Marjorie Nugent. And she is awesome in this. But oh my God, the scene where she's chewing. Ryan. The two scenes. Oh, There's right. A... Two scenes. The chewing scenes. She is just crazy. Uh, but here's like what I want to talk about. Morticians, old people, and then Bernie in general. So well, this. Uh, real quick, can I, can I talk about McConaughey for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Let's talk about so... McConaughey. So one, uh, I feel similarly to McConaughey how we both feel about Jack Black, where I feel like where he's slightly more subdued, I like him more. So like this movie he's really good in. I really enjoy his performance in Contact. Um, I actually like him a lot in the in the first Magic Mike movie, um, where he's not like a caricature of McConaughey. Yeah, McConaughey is one of those actors that clearly needs to be tamed. Like, yes. if you just let him go off the rails, he is going to get wild and nuts. Like, I don't know if you remember his Oscar speech. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> like, I just think he is a wild man. Like, he is very just free spirit, does whatever he wants, and doesn't care. And I like that, but in a film, it can just get a bit too much. So when he is tamed, he's very good. And in or this, he's in like a couple of scenes. Like he's like the extra spice where it's like just enough because too much is going to overwhelm everything. Yeah, um, agreed. But, but here it's just enough. It's funny, last night my wife and I rewatched uh, My Cousin Vinny, which is one of her favorite movies, and she was in the mood to revisit it. And his character reminds me of the district attorney in that movie also which is also a you know southern uh courtroom <laughs> type situation but like mm -hmm. the way that they are trying to work the jury sure. um feels very similar where they're like trying to make it like you know all right it's this and it's this and there's no way it's not that and like just <laughs> trying to like lay it out like very simply and like it's just it was very funny because I was like, I wonder if McConaughey like watched my cousin Vinny before he like took on this role. Like, because they, they feel, they feel like kindred spirits. Like those two good old boys would go hunting together, you know? Yeah. Well, McConaughey has worked with Linklater before, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know this or how because you've only watched it today. So you've probably yes. not gotten to dig a ton into it. But one of the things that I really like about this film is that it kind of plays like it's this documentary like you have a lot of talking heads and people just expressing you know their interactions with bernie how they came to meet him and their experiences and i don't know if you realize this but some of them were actual townspeople that were essentially asked to speak about Bernie. So I thought that was kind of cool. Like they're not actors, but also one of the main townspeople is M Matthew McConaughey's mother. Who oh, I did not actually know that. gave Linklater, like she, I think found this story that was published and like shared it with him. And that That's kind cool. of got like the ball rolling uh, for this. But I do want to talk about just, I love, how just bizarre this is like with the mortician mm -hmm. because one of the things that I specifically remember from my youth is my grandfather on my my father's dad he passed away when I was in second grade and that was the first funeral I ever went to and that I remember going to and I remember watching the mortician and it was so bizarre because he was like eyeing up the elderly like oh they're gonna they're gonna die soon 
And like, what kind of coffin are they going to need? And I just like feel like morticians are like very strange, like kind of used car salesmen. And like, I just love the way like all the scenes are portrayed with like the coffin selling and just the overall job itself. Like people who do the pre-planning, which I'll be honest, I could see Ben and I doing like pre-planning. Because it's like cheaper. <laughs> oh, I, I'm a huge advocate for pre, pre-planning. I have my final wishes more or less laid out. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's important because, you know, as much as it can be painful to think about or hard to talk about, death is a natural part of life. And, um, and on the other hand, I also feel like there's, you always get this, like, I, I know one thing I liked about Bernie as a person, as a character, is they talked about him being like a good mortician that like he made people look good. He made yes. sure that they got what they needed. And he was also a really shrewd salesman. Like I like that there's both aspects. Yeah. The scene where he's like telling the tall guy, he's like, well, if you pick that coffin, we're going to have to break your legs. Oh, <laughs> What's funny is I, I laughed out loud watching that because uh, I'm a very tall person, uh, and I have thought about that many times. <laughs> I'm like, they're gonna like every time, well, not every time, but in when I've been to uh, funerals, I'm like, I wonder if they make longer coffins or are they just gonna like cut my legs off? Which is fine. Like I don't care. Like I don't have feelings about it the way that this guy might have. But um, you well, know, it's I, more I also... the wife. The wife was <laughs> right. like, you'll not cut his legs and i was like you'll never see them because they only ever open the top half right i've never (laughs) seen a full open right never but yeah i think it's really interesting (laughs) to see kind of this behind the scenes with the morticians now to like talk about old people like old people are really something like i can't imagine well i kind of can't like what i'm gonna be like when i'm old like I'm going to be awful, like an awful old person. I just imagine you and Ben sitting on your front porch, like not saying a lot, but then just scowling <laughs> at people that walk by. <laughs> yeah, like Marjorie. I mean, you kind of like want her to die because mm-hmm. she's like really rotten and terrible. And again, that's why I think this is like a really. Tr- like interesting true crime because you're like really rooting for Bernie. Like to your Mm -hmm. point, Bernie just seems so likable. Like everyone in the town loves him. And like he spends all of his money, like buying other people things, gifting people things. When like people die, he goes to visit the widows. Mm -hmm. You know, like he he um, breaks my heart. Well, so th- that speaks so much of what I liked about this movie in terms of him. Like I kept, cause I didn't know, I actually did not know what the crime was going to be. And I was oh. like, Oh, like we're going to get like halfway through this movie and they're going to re- reveal that like, he's been like getting old ladies to sign over their pension checks to him and like, you know, getting added to their wills. And it, it is a little bit of that story. Um, but I think it makes, I really like the way that it approaches the relationship between him and Marjorie, because I feel like while Marjorie is an awful person that most people don't want to deal with, you also kind of understand why, because her family is also terrible. Um, and so like, you know, there's, there's a line, one of the, the, the women that's interviewed has where she's like, well, it's a small town. So they kind of assume the worst of everybody, but they also kind of assume the best of everybody. And I think that's so interesting and so true because you could look at Bernie and be like, look, he's a good guy. He's trying to help people. But then there's always that part of my brain that's like, what's his angle? What's in it for him? And like, Mm -hmm. we don't know what was going through his mind, like what actually caused him to murder her and like what his motives were. Like, I, I like that that sort of remains up to us to judge you know what i mean oh definitely i mean i feel 
the story, the movie itself, it doesn't give you the whole story, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't really know everything. And obviously like Marjorie is dead. So like she can't speak for the events that occurred. But I do get a sense too. Yeah. Like why is Bernie doing all of these good deeds? Like there has to be something in it for him, you know, but Mm -hmm. him in general, like I just love him as a character. Like he is absolutely amazing. And I found it really cool that while they were making the movie, like Jack Black and Charlie McLean both met with the actual real Bernie in jail. And the other thing I don't, you probably don't know is that apparently like while they were filming at some point, I guess like Richard Linklater, like actually had Bernie living in his garage. Like they I released did not know that, the guy. I, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. funny. But he ended up going back to prison. But I don't know why. I didn't get that far in my research of why he went back to prison. But yeah, it's just a really odd story. And it's one of those things that like, you watch it and you're like, wow, I can't believe that was real. But it is. It totally happened. Yeah. I mean, and even just on first watch like this it's probably between this and school of rock for my favorite like non uh sunrise link later movie mm-hmm. or before trilogy movie i should say yeah it's pretty good so, yeah so yeah. I'm, gl- I'm glad i finally watched it i think it's interesting and then the other aspect of it that i wanted to make sure that we mention is you know in terms of like it's a movie that presents you with the situation and you have to make up your own mind and decide how you feel about it because it is one where you're like, well, he's being charged for the crime, but then he did all this good stuff with her money afterwards that really helped yeah. a lot of people and that has to get undone. And it's like, you know, you have to decide for, and like, you know, they have to move the trial 50 miles away because if they pulled the jury from that town that people tell Matthew McConaughey, like if I'm on that jury, Bernie's going to walk. Yeah, which I'm glad you brought that up because that was something they mentioned in the movie that typically it's the plaintiff that's like, I want to move this trial because if I have my trial here, everyone's going to convict me. Mm -hmm. But this time it's the defense saying, no, I want to move the trial because... Or sorry, I may have reversed that, but you get what I'm saying. The district yes. attorney wants to move mm-hmm. the trial because they're like, if I have it here, everybody's going to say he's innocent because they just mm-hmm. love him so much. And I'm really glad you brought up about, yeah, like after she died, he started like spending her money, but in very good ways. Whereas like prior to her being alive, like she was basically just spending the money on herself. Right. And she technically left, like she did alter her will to leave the money to him. Like, yes, it's like, and like really what he is, it's not that he's covering up. It's not like he murdered her to take her money and do these things with it. He was going to get that money, but for whatever reason, he murdered her, whether it was just a, a, a bad moment where he got overwhelmed or what, whatever the reason was. And so he covered up to sort of preserve this like status quo almost. I, it's just a very interesting story. And I think one that, you know, it speaks to like there's darkness in all of us, but like situations are all complicated and, you know, like the law is black and white, but the circumstances aren't necessarily black and white. And, you know, you, I almost got the sense that like McConaughey's character as the district attorney was like jealous because he was like, what is it with this guy? <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like, why do people love him so much? Yeah, I mean, well, and there is at one point where they say, like, he loves the media and, like, the attention. So that could be what's going on there. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really glad that you watched it because I I think it's great. And if somebody's looking to watch it, it's actually on quite a number of streaming services. I watched it on Hoopla, but I saw it's on Canopy. And... I think it's on a couple other things, but with ads. Yeah. So I watched it on Peacock. Um, 
which it's on the free version. And the the way they did the ads was actually really nice. They had a countdown clock at the beginning. I had to watch 128 seconds of ads, but then they didn't interrupt the movie at all. So they were all at the beginning. Um, And then I watched the movie, you know, like I said, without commercials during the movie. So, uh, and that was free. So I can't complain about that. Do you not use Hoopla? Uh, I don't think, because that's the one through the library, right? It is. Yeah. Hoopla and Canopy are through your local library. I don't think our county library is part of that. Oh, okay. But but I'll have to check again. Because that yeah. may have changed since the last time I looked. Yeah, so check it out. Uh, but before we sign off, don't forget that you can find a breakdown of this episode and all our episodes on moviejohn.com, where you can also subscribe to our quarterly print movie zine. And our first issue of 2021 will celebrate and feature the use of color in film. Don't let those gray days of winter get you down. You can get lost in the brilliant hues of Movie John's winter issue. And it's going to start shipping next week. So make sure that you visit moviejohn.com shop. Now, as for our social media, you can follow us on Twitter at I Saw It In A Movie. And if you're seeking advice, send us questions to dearisawitinamovie at gmail.com. Or you can send us postal mail at P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA 19145, Attention, Movie John. And Ryan, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook, or Twitter and Letterboxd uh, and Instagram at Silver Whatever, that's with a B. Uh, and you can find my writing on moviejohn.com and in the pages of that Movie John issue, which if you want a physical copy, you should definitely subscribe to movie john now because i just i just have a feeling that it's going to go really quick and people are going to be disappointed yeah we actually we got a quite a number of pre-orders already and as ryan said it is going to sell out because we only got limited amount so don't wait uh but as for me you can find me on instagram at the dot old sport or twitter at bonjour old sport and then check out my other podcasts uh cinematic crypt in which i go six feet under to uncover films of hollywood's past and also i just started a new podcast called best friends forever in which my best friend forever katie mcbrown and i We invite you to our slumber party and we gab about a movie that features our favorite heartthrob. And both of these shows are on moviejohn.com under MJ Pods, where you can download them, or you can find them wherever you find other pods. So Ryan, do you have a piece of advice for Sherlock Smith and our other listeners out there? I do. Um... The, the So something that Popeye Doyle says during interrogations to throw people off is, I'm going to nail you for picking your feet in Poughkeepsie, um, which is just a fun thing to say. And it is <laughs> the perfect thing to just say randomly to somebody and not explain what you mean. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of in the first episode that Katie and I did, which was the film Touch. And there's the phrase, stuff your lunch. Right. Like, what does that mean? I don't care, but I'm using it in every email sign-off. Stuff your lunch. Yeah, that episode, super fun, by the way. So if you haven't checked out Rosalie's uh, Best Friends Forever podcast, I highly recommend it. Because it's a really fun episode. I haven't seen the movie, and I rarely listen to movie podcasts talking about movies that I haven't seen. I can't imagine I'm going to seek it out but your discussion on it is so so much fun yeah the movie is no like it's pretty bad except for their skate butt but like the rest of it is bad but yeah stuff your lunch came out of that and it was worth watching for that sole reason because now i can like tell other people about (laughs) stuff your lunch exactly um But my advice comes from Bernie, and he says, Can I tell you, I'm not fond of cremations. 
I just don't like the idea of someone spending eternity in something the size of a motel ice bucket. And <laughs> That's a great line. I think, you know, to your point, and what we were talking about earlier about like pre-planning, it's something to keep in mind. Like what you select as your last accommodations is going to hold you for eternity. So you really need to like think this through. Which... Well, I will say nothing will hold me because I do want to be cremated, but then I want to be scattered to the winds, so I will be free. Okay, yeah. I'm not sure, <laughs> like, quite yet. You know, like, I, I really need to research it because I feel there's a lot of, like, environmentally, like, friendly ways to discard of your body. And That's I want to look into that. Like. <laughs> I want to see, but I also am very, like, I don't know. I am signed up to be an organ donor, but I'm also, like, really scared about, like, my organs, like, being placed into, like, other bodies, like, in <laughs> X-Files, and then, like, yeah. my eyes become, like, I take over that person then. I mean, but that would be cool. That's another episode. That um, is another episode. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for listening, and remember... For every question, there is a movie with an answer. Goodbye. Bye-bye.